You know, everything has changed this past year in ways we could have never imagined in our lives before. COVID has disrupted every area of our lives. Things are changing. Things have changed. How we do school, how we do work, how we shop, how we do church. So many things in our world have changed. But how about us? Have you changed? While the world has changed around us, what has changed in us? Do we love God more? Do we trust God more through all the craziness that has happened? Do we look more like Jesus? Do we reflect him more in our words, our actions, our tweets, our social media? Sometimes when things change around us, we assume that we have also changed inside us. But that's not always the case. So today, we want to open our lives to allow God, through His Holy Spirit, to bring deep change within our hearts and lives as well. So we'll look at John chapter 5 today and see how we can put our lives in a place that will help us change by the grace and power of the Holy Spirit to bring greater glory to God's name by how we change as well. So first of all, uh, there's a few things that we will highlight in this passage. And the first thing that we learn here is that we allow God through His Spirit to change our lives as I give up, as I surrender and give up to the Lord. Look at John chapter 5, verse 1. And follow, he says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there was in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, an Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? So we see that there's a pool here next to the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem where sick people used to wait. Um, and it was believed that the stirring of the waters were actually caused by angels and thus it had healing powers. And next to the pool, we are introduced to a sick man who had been there for 38 years. But then Jesus asks him a very strange question. He asks, do you want to get well? That's kind of strange, right? It's like, what? What are, you, what are you talking about? Why are you asking a sick person if they want to get well? Isn't that like asking somebody, do you want a million dollars? Isn't the answer obviously yes? Well, not really. Because not all who are sick want to get well. Ask the alcoholics in the pubs and bars. Ask the drug addict who is stealing to get more money for their next hit. Not all who are sick want to get well. And that is a dangerous thing about sin. It looks sweet, it tastes sweet, but it is a poison deadly to the soul. But there's a strange and dangerous way in which we almost get used to sin if we do not learn to cut it out of our lives. You know, many years ago, I took a team to Africa on a missions trip, and all the guys, we shared one room, and all the ladies, they shared another room. And, you know, it was a 
100 degrees every day with 100% humidity. Uh, we were only able to shower about once a week. Uh, and some of us didn't shower at all during our trip. We had layers of dirt and we had, you know, sweat just dripping down, even if we were just sitting down doing nothing. You know, we wore the same clothes pretty much the whole time as well. In short, we smelled bad. You know, the moment you walk into the guy's room, you're greeted with our socks, our shoes, slippers right at the entrance to the door. So when you first walk in, it is nasty. But you know what? After several minutes of being in that room, you get used to it. You know, the ladies would come in and just be repulsed, disgusted by the smell and say to us, you know, do you guys want some spray or freshener? And we would be like, no, we're okay, why? You know, we're good. Um, so we actually got used to sitting in and living with layers of things that we would normally be sick of. You know, that is a picture of the danger of getting too comfortable with our sin. Instead of killing the sin, we embrace it and we make it a regular part of our lives. So think of an area of sin that might be in your life. It could be in the form of greed, of lust, of food addiction, harboring unforgiveness. There are certain things in our lives that God may want out of our lives, but we've grown too comfortable with it because we've allowed it to stay within our lives for far too long. And I believe God is asking you today, do you want your life to change? Do you want to get well? Not all do. Not all want to give up the sin that we've grown so comfortable with. And so it is with this man, laying down there for 38 years next to this pool. And Jesus asked, do you want to get well? And look at his answer in verse 7. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. Now notice he does not say, yes, I want to get well. He says, I can't. There are so many things hindering me from getting well. You see, if we really want to see our lives changed by his grace, we need to begin by giving up. Giving up what? Well, to begin, we need to begin by giving up our excuses. We need to give up our excuses for allowing sin to remain a part of our lives. Our excuses for not following Christ wholeheartedly. I'm too busy, we may often say. But you know, we make time for the things that are important to us. Well, I don't, I don't have enough money to tithe. Well, maybe God is testing you with a little so before he can give you more. Or we might have this excuse, I don't have the gifts or the talents to serve the church. But you know what? God gave you the gifts of two hands and two feet for most of us. Uh, maybe begin with that. If we want to see our lives change, it means we need to give up the excuses we've been using for far too long. Therefore, give up those excuses on why you can't follow Jesus as a believer and say, Jesus, you are the Lord over my life. Whatever you say, I will do. Jesus, even if I only make a minimum wage, 
I'm going to give you back a portion back to you as an expression of worship, thanks, and trust for your provision. Jesus, even if we don't know what will happen tomorrow or next week, I will not worry, fret, or fear because you hold tomorrow in the palm of your hands. You see, God shapes us as we surrender our lives to Him in every area of our lives. As we give that area that causes so much concern for us, learn to give that to Christ, and He will shape you, strengthen you, and allow your faith to grow stronger because of it. You see, Jesus Christ loves us as we are, but He also loves us too much to leave us as we are. So it begins by giving up. Our lives will begin to change. But another thing that we learn here is that as we allow Christ and His Spirit to change our lives, that will happen more as not only as I give up, but also as I get up. John 5, 8 says, Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now, that day was the Sabbath. Jesus basically telling him, enough with your excuses. It's time for you to begin living the life that you were meant to live. As you follow me, as you trust me, as you obey my word spoken into your life. You are not meant to live 38 years of your life down next to this pool. You were meant to live as a testimony of God's grace. So Jesus tells him, get up. This idea of getting up is about obedience and responding to God's word. It's about action, putting action to our faith. It's about living according to God's word. So after we give up our excuses on why we can't follow or obey Jesus, we begin living a life of faith, obedience, and surrender. Instead of us telling God, God, I want this, 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 and this for my life, okay? Otherwise, I'm not going to follow you. Otherwise, I'm out of here. Because that's not lordship. That's not true surrender to Jesus. Lordship gives God a blank check and says, you fill this out. Lordship says, God, whatever you say, wherever you lead, whatever it takes, I'll do. And I believe that God is testing so many of us so many of us right now in this difficult season of this pandemic, do we truly trust Him in all circumstances? Can we truly give thanks to Him even when things are difficult and hard? When surprises come across our ways, can we still trust, love, and obey? God is testing us during this period to live a life of faith and surrender, and God is testing all of us right now to trust Him with everything, to surrender to Him every part of our lives. Our futures that are unknown, our health that is unknown, but in all things to know that He is worthy of our trust. He is trustworthy. Teaching us to trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. As James reminds us as well in 122, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So getting up means quick and complete obedience, even when we don't fully understand or see how things all fit together right now. Quick 
and complete obedience when God calls is the mark of a faith-filled disciple whose life, life is changing by the grace and power of the Holy Spirit. As Henry Blackaby uh, likes to point out, delayed obedience is still disobedience, and partial obedience is disobedience. So as God pricks our conscience to obey Him, let's learn to respond with quick and complete obedience, whatever it may be. And one more thing we learn about this is that our lives change as I grow up. So our lives will change as we give up to God. We lives, our lives will change as we get up in obedience. And our lives will change as I grow up in Him. Let's expand on this right now. John chapter 5, verse 10 and following says, So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is a Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered him, the, the man who healed me, that man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, as there was a crowd in the place. So the Jews were consumed with keeping the legalistic letter of the law instead of caring for the needs of the hurting. You see, growing up and maturing spiritually for us involves the same, where we major in the majors and minor in the minors. The major of our faith is the person, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. To love God and to love our neighbors as ourselves. To preach the gospel to the lost and to make disciples of all nations till all have heard. Yes, the church is not perfect. Yes, the church is full of hypocrites. But the main thing is to keep our eyes on Jesus. Because Jesus came for the sinners, the hypocrites, people like me and like you. Verse 14, Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. So he's saying, stop staying comfortable with your sin. That's part of growing up spiritually as well. When we become more and more uncomfortable with allowing the sins and patterns of sins in our lives to remain as they are. It's when we learn to fear God more. And fear sin more. Because when we lose our fear of God, we lose our fear of sin. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, that when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. So growing up involves giving up certain things in our lives. It means we give up patterns of things that may have harmed others that may have even distanced our, distanced our relationship with God. But even in our discipleship and in our service to His body, the church, it also means that we learn to give up and trade our bibs for the towel. How many of us are still approaching our life discipleship in the church with baby bibs? like infants, waiting for others to feed us, serve us, change us. But we must hand in our bibs and take up the towel instead.
the towel of the servant who washed our feet, the towel of the servant who said, as I've served you, now serve one another. Discipleship says, here I am, Lord, use me no matter what it involves. Discipleship also says, no matter the difficulty. You know, I asked a missionary friend of mine in Africa one time, you know, was it hard to come here because the surroundings were really challenging? Um, But he said, no, not when you see true treasure. And that's a life that has been changed because they see the beauty and the treasure of Jesus. You know, I heard about a man who moved into a retirement community to spend the rest of his life there. And it wasn't long until he made a number of good friends amongst those residents. And there's one lady in particular that he was attracted to, and she was attracted to him as well. They spent a lot of time together, and finally one evening, he proposed to her, asking if she would marry him. Now, the next morning, he woke up remembering his proposal, but he couldn't remember her answer. So he went to her and said, you know, I'm really embarrassed. I proposed to you last night, but I can't remember if you said yes or no. Oh, thank goodness, she replied. I remember saying yes, but I couldn't remember who asked me. You know, when we don't learn to surrender our lives to Christ, when we don't learn to persevere in this race of faith, when we don't give up the sins that Christ died for, it's like forgetting who we are married to, that we are married to Jesus Christ. We need to remember who we belong to. A changed life is one that has seen our sinfulness and seen His grace that forgives. And they see that and behold the beauty of that gift. It has been healed, that life. It has been forgiven. It has been changed by the cross of Jesus Christ. It is a heart that has been transformed because our status has been changed. We belong to Christ now and forever. You see, the default path of our hearts is hardenedness, bitterness, cynicism, and selfishness. But when we surrender to Christ and allow His Word to come into every area of our lives, we allow Jesus into every area of our lives. Therefore, I want to challenge you today to ask the Holy Spirit to breathe life into you anew, to be changed, to breathe life into you every time you approach God's Word Because that word is God breathed. It is his breath. That word is eternal. And allow him to breathe new life as we respond to his word in joyful obedience. And that word can change you today as we trust and obey. You know, we started off this message by reflecting on how so many things have changed in our worlds around us. And you know, there was a picture that came to me several days ago as I was speaking to a friend of mine um, on the phone, and we're talking about all these changes that are happening in the world um, that that generations ago has never, never seen before. And uh, a picture that came to my mind was how uh, suddenly the ground around us has been demolished. You know, there's a pulverizing of dirt and mud and ground all around us. And... If we look at it one way, it can look like an earthquake. It could look like something's being destroyed. But if we take a step back, what I was also seeing was 
a shovel, all of a sudden digging up and a softening hardened ground. It is a dis disruption, but also it is a preparation that God is breaking up hardened soil, cultivating it, transforming it, so that during this season of surprise, of pandemics, of disruption, this season of change is God churning, preparing the soil of our lives so that we would be ready to receive his seed of the word of truth in ways that we probably never would have before because of the hardness of the soil of our hearts. But as he is disrupting, as he is changing so much of our lives, come with a humble, open heart to his word. Allow his word, his truth, his promises to be deeply planted into that soil that God is cultivating right now. And then cover it with prayer. Layer it with prayer. And allow the Holy Spirit to cement it with faith. Trust Him. No matter what happens, trust Him. No matter the surprises, trust Him. No matter the pain and the suffering that still may come to your life or to those around you that you love, trust Him. Hold on to Him. And as you trust you will change. Your faith will change. Your heart will change. And we will grow more and more into the image and fragrance of Jesus Christ. That's when we can allow, through faith, our lives to be transformed in a beautiful way during these challenging times. Trust Him, people of God. Let's pray. Father, we do not know um, why all these changes and surprises and pain and loss has happened. But we do know the one who is in control of it all, who weeps with those who are weeping, and that is you. So God, as you are also with your sovereign plow, destroying the hardness of soil all around us, even within our own hearts. God, let us not just look at it and run away or try to wait until this season passes. God, let us respond with planting that word of the, the seed of your word deep within our hearts and allowing our lives to be watering it with prayer, trusting it with faith, so that you might reap a harvest as we trust and obey you each day of our lives. We need you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Breathe new life within us. Deepen faith within us. Guard our faith that it may be proved more pure than gold on the final day. Refine us, change us, and God, ready us 
for that glorious day when we will finally be home. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.